Blog Talk Radio.
All eyes on Chicago, August 20th to the 23rd, as Chicago welcomes the first annual Black Wall Street National Conference. Joining us in our efforts in sustaining and increasing black business. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com and listen to Black Wall Street USA, Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. This ad was sponsored by Chicago's blackbusinessnetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. Welcome to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, May 20th, 2010, with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. This is Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com, and I will be Mr. Carter's co-host for this segment. Black Wall Street USA is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. We took a break last week as Black Wall Street Chicago prepared for its Economic Summit 12, and we are anticipating a great turnout, and we hope that you will choose to be a part of our agenda in our efforts to sustain and increase black businesses. Black Wall Street Chicago's Summit 13 is scheduled for Saturday, May 22nd, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Holman Square, located at 3333 West Arlington on Chicago's west side. For those of you who are not familiar with Arlington Avenue, it's between Pope and Roosevelt Roads, that's the uh, north and west boundaries, Holman and Kinsey, uh, east and west boundaries, right off the Eisenhower Expressway. Come early, our sponsorship coordinator, Shirley Henderson, has worked very hard to make this a great experience for you. We have a great agenda for this summit and all eyes on Chicago for our first Black Wall Street National Conference to be held August 20th through the 23rd right here in Chicago. We are the whole city. We ask that you watch the South Street Journal newspaper and visit Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com for updates on this conference. We can share with you that there will be some workshops and seminars that first Friday evening, the 20th, Saturday, Saturday the 21st will be the actual day of the summit. That's an all-day event. And the, uh, the difference and will be is that we will have representatives from organizations from all over the country for that particular summit that day. This will be Black Wall Street Chicago's 13th summit, but for the nation, it will be the first. Worship, worship will be on Sunday morning, led by our national president, Bishop Michael Carter. That Sunday evening, we'll all, we will have tours featuring all, featuring all three of the Black Wall Street districts of Chicago. That's 75th Street, Stony Island, and the Madison Avenue district on the west side. Monday will be the leadership meeting as Black Wall Street gets back to business. So we ask that you stay tuned to Black Wall Street USA for more information. But let's come back to the, the local scene. Let's come back. Uh, our, our local summit and business concerns. We invited the national president of the National Black Contractors Association to join us this evening. Mr. Abdur Rahim Hamid is joining us out of San Diego. BCA's mission is to help to create economic opportunities for African Americans and other members in the construction industry who would historically and today would not get market share in the construction industry. 
tonight, Black Wall Street USA asks that you picture the future of urban America. And what we want to know is, can you find the black contractor in that picture? Mr. Hameen will discuss some of the concerns of black contractors and other business owners in general, and he will also offer some solutions to these concerns uh, that are not local concerns, but these are actually national concerns. But before uh, we go to our guests, we want to welcome our host for the evening, Mr. Ron Carter. What's going on with Black Wall Street, Mr. Carter? How you doing, Sonia? Everything mm-hmm. is going on. We're kind of getting out there. I think that this uh, week has been a a week of um, publicity for Black Wall Street here in Chicago. Uh, was on a radio program today. We was filming for the book for South Street Journal or the documentary. Uh, we had an earlier broadcast on another program. So I think that we are beginning to be um, a source that the community wants and the community needs as far as sustaining and increasing black businesses. And with all that in mind, the agenda continues to um, grab us to be more committed. Uh, we had this great program that you put together last Sunday regarding the uh, Before We Die. I watched it before, but when I watched it again, it definitely gives a compelling historical view that has been missing in the uh, history books about Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and some people say it was a, a race riot, but as I looked at the documentary, it was a race massacre uh, based on what happened to the black people in that particular uh, time in the United States. Uh, but again, it wasn't just the uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was the Rosewood in uh, Florida, and there was the economic conditions that compels us even more about our agenda and sustaining. So in answering your question, uh, we continue to have uh, issues even as we uh, uh, solve some. Uh, Reggio's Pizza is losing its contract, a black uh, uh, product here in Chicago, losing its contract with the Chicago Public Schools. Um, We have uh, the issue with uh, the lack of contracts for uh, the streets and and curbs in Chicago. So it's a continuous of of issues that we're facing in light of the the progression of of working with black businesses and increasing and abstaining them. We're working with some good products. um, uh, One associate has a cam can, a, a new product that we're working with. Uh, We're working with uh, some real estate people. We're still developing 47th 47th Street or State Street as a Black Wall Street district. We have uh, still 75th Street. Uh, Stony Island is moving, and the representation of the west side uh, for that being a Black Wall Street uh, district. So the agenda is intense. The, The movement of our summit that's coming up this particular Saturday is a recap of what we need to do, what we have done, and what we need to do in the next uh, 90 days leading up to our national summit in August. So continuously, we are um, 
compelled to stay on the agenda and even as we look at the small issues of who's employed in these stores, what we're going to do to change that employment is basically we're going to have a a, a focus of ownership. Uh, we have talked to the Black United Fund here in Chicago where they have a program called uh, Passing the Torch, where those that are in business, what are they doing to pass the torch? So we're going to partnership with them. Uh, we met with the Woods Foundation uh, based on uh, Black Wall Street is a black agenda, not an ethnic agenda, not a minority agenda, not a um, low-income agenda, not a um, disadvantaged business agenda, but a black agenda. And that covers some of the spectrums from the mom-pa to the accountability that those are in power, even till we have to reach to those that includes uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, the, the the state of uh, Elsie Higginbottom. Uh, so the, our agenda is intense, and it's not leaving out anyone, and it is about that time uh, for the accountability as we communicate with cities all over the uh, country that the black economic agenda as progressive as we are in making things happen, we're still not in parity to where we're supposed to be. So answering your question is keep on moving. Every week there's something new. How are you doing, Sonia? I'm doing great, Mr. Carter. <laughs> and uh, you see, you see, all those things that Mr. Carter said is going on. He's still laughing. I asked Mr. Carter this week, uh, it had got this to be too much maybe for me, Mr. Carter. I asked I said, well, maybe we're doing too much. Maybe we're pulling you in too many different directions. And so he, he just sit there and looked at me. He said, it's like, the, it's like this around here all the time. I said, oh, <laughs> I, I went home. <laughs> but I went home. <laughs> so, all right, all right. He, so it's, it's okay with him. And as we, as we add to all of that, we did a uh, – he and I did a show for – uh, what's on your mind with Wanda Muhammad, Channel 21? Oh yeah, and, right. Mm-hmm. And we did we did that this week. That's how it goes around here. You you should come over and join us. That's how it goes around here. Uh, for those of you who do not know Ron Carter, Ron Carter has been the editor and publisher of South Street Journal for more than 15 years, and Columbia University was here documenting the history of South Street Journal. And you can, if you look at our blog talk page, there is a link there that says South Street Journal, and you can go in and look at the way that they've documented it online, all the copies from the first issue of South Street Journal. And uh, what right. year was that, Ron? What year was that? 1993. Okay. But actually, it was before 93. Okay. It was actually maybe about three years because it first started off in the name of Truth News, and then it converted to the name of South Street Journal. So one thing I, I found uh, in being around Mr. Carter, which I haven't been around him a long time, I haven't, I don't have the longevity of a lot of people around him, but one thing I found because of that life experience he, he has had as a writer, editor, and publisher, and all the other things that he does, 
If you ask Sister Carter anything about anything in Chicago, he pretty much almost knows it. Don't get modest. I'm going to move on, Mr. Carter. You Thank listen you. to Black Wall Street USA with host Mr. Ron Carter. I'm your co-host, Sonya Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you would like to speak to our guests or if you have a question or comment. Let's just take a moment, Mr. Carter. Uh, Summit 12 is coming up on May 22nd. And just can't we just say a little bit about what's on the agenda for Saturday? Well, there will be a focus on black contractors in the neighborhood where they're at, what they're doing, with their um, findings and contract procurement. We will definitely have a report from each of the Black Wall Street districts, including uh, 75th Street, Madison Street, Stony Island, uh, and Bronzeville, and preliminary uh, review of Gary, Indiana. Uh, we, in addition to that, we will have a overview of where Chicago is at based on its plans in uh, the year 2040. What is happening now as relates to the year 2040 and how are we going to prepare ourselves for that future as well to be included and to have some parity. Uh, we're going to move on. There will be an open dialogue um, on many different issues that we did not discuss there will be an accountability of retailers to black products. There's a couple of black products that we feel as though when there is a retailer in our community that we need to have the parity when all uh, uh, feasible to have those black products in these stores. We've been successful in the last week, and this uh, uh, one of our representatives have their product, and we talk to the retailers, and we ask them to put these products in their stores. And so those are the uh, the smaller um, hardware stores that we have put it in, but we're going out for the accountability of the big box um, stores as well to have these products. And then there is the legislative agenda, uh, uh, the question of black versus minority. And part of that, there's another focus, even when we talk about politics and economics. I was challenged on by the Republican Party that the blacks are so gullible with the Democratic Party. So I challenged them back based on our summit that you all need to come to our summit and you all need to make a, a, a decision of endorsing and supporting and helping us implement the black Wall Street agenda if you feel as though that we are so gullible to the uh, Democratic Party. They come on to be a part of the summit. So um, Tony Paraka, the Cook County Commissioner, who's a Republican, will be at this summit representing the Republican Party and also um, the representative that's running for governor is tentatively to be uh, present, but we will also have Doc Walls, who's a independent runner for governor, to address the issue of sustaining and increasing black businesses. So it's going to be an intense eight hours uh, from uh, starting at 9 o'clock. Well, 
reception or the uh, registration at 8 o'clock, program starting at 9 all the way to 5. So we're going to have a real intense motion resolution driven agenda. I know I missed something out, but that's okay. It's going to, it's, you, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. It absolutely is. And on different shows, we asked Mr. Carter to explain uh, what the summit is. We seem to have a lot of new people calling this week, Ron, and that's their question. What is a summit? They're curious. They send the information out there. What is a summit? What is a summit? So we do, uh, you know, go back and review from week to week so that people will have a clear picture of what they're coming to. They, they don't know what to expect. And uh, when they leave, they're quite pleased. I made the comment uh, this week. We did an exit survey, so to speak, so that we could get some feedback at the last summit. So I was prepared for criticism and all kind of things. The, the, but, you know, proudly, uh, very proudly, I just be, began my association with Black Wall Street. The feedback was very, very good. It was very good. Um, we're, we're moving no, right along. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, no, I get the same feedback. People do come thinking that they're coming to a a a a workshops, they think they're coming to a conference, they think they're coming to an orientation, but they're coming to actually get involved in the decision making process. And what I call Black Wall Street in my terms, it is some structure like the United Nations where everybody is not on the same table, we don't agree the same, but we are going to sit down and we're going to discuss what directions. Uh, one example is the United Nations and uh, the uh, United States decided to go to war on Iraq. Uh, most of the nations did not agree with America doing that, but America went on to do it anyway. But they're still members of the United Nations. So we look at the Black Wall Street summits in the same uh, focus, that we're not going to agree, but just because we don't agree, that we're still going to stay in the room, and each organization is still going to carry out their prospective agendas, but we want to see how we're going to collaborate on agendas where we can. So that's my summit on where we're at with, this, uh, with, with the perspective of what these summits are. That's great. We look forward to seeing each of you this Saturday, May 22nd at 3333 West Arlington in Chicago. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Mr. Ron Carter. I'm your co-host, Sonia Perdue. Uh, call in numbers 347-326-9477. 347-326-9477. Our guest this evening, and we're going to go to our guest, is Mr. Ha Hamid. And... Uh, he is the president of the National Black Contractors Association, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about this evening. Picture the future urban America. Can you find the black contractor in that picture? Ron, let's welcome our guest to the show. Mr. Hamid, welcome to the show. Mr. Hamid? You hear me? Uh, yeah. Hello, How Ron. you doing, sir? Ron, thank you, and uh, Tonya as well. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity to uh, have an opportunity to talk to the people in Chicagoland and across the country. As Correct. Many of our listeners across the uh, uh, America are listening, and I'm very excited about the work that you're doing in Chicago and the Black Wall Street mission nationally. 
the time could never be right for us to uh, harness in on the opportunities of pulling our resources and getting blacks back in the black. Uh, so, again, I want to thank you again for the invitation to uh, speak with you, and I will share a few more of the ideas and what we're doing nationally and some of our right. chapters in Chicago and down south and what they're doing. Right. Well, Mr. Hameen, I think that, uh, you know, the the issues of black contractors has been an ongoing, uh, oh, I can't even express the the, the right terminology, based on um, uh, as long as I've been having my eye on the black contractor and since uh, probably the oh late 70s, I've been having a keen eye. And since that time to the present, I don't see any difference. As a matter of fact, I see a decrease. And I see that, you know, you travel all over the country with the, the national chapters. I definitely want to get into uh, what your organization is and what it's about and what he's what it's been doing. But I, I want to first get into what is the, uh, you know, based on your travels and being the, uh, the president of the National Black Contractors Association, and can you sum up? What is our, I don't know how you can sum it up, but can, is there some way that you can sum up what is our status when it comes to black contractors and why? Yes, I can. And, you know, one of, your, one of the topics that you uh, uh, profoundly put out, the picture of the future, future, picture the urban America without black contractors is a very uh, poignant point. Uh, the issues that that uh, that we see here with with the Association of Black Contractors, we started this organization chapter uh, in San Diego started 28 years ago. Um, Chicago uh, United Black Contractors uh, founded themselves uh, 38 years ago, and then the National Association, which were basically started uh, in California here 40 years ago. So the issue that, that we're looking at in terms of uh, uh, the black contractors and what's happening is there have been uh, efforts on a national level, but I think what's important, uh, and I don't want to lose your question, what's important for me to do is talk about how we Ron, are you there? Yes. Yeah, how, we've, how the black, National Black Contractors Association was formed. I think that's very important. Um, as we began to start searching the web and, and, and discovered that there were other chapters across the country that were doing things, there was Florence Cox and, and McKinney out of Chicago that didn't know uh, McClutchin out of uh, Carolinas, or Carolinas wasn't familiar with Renee Watson in uh, San Antonio, Texas. This, draw, this basically brought us to the, to the interest of pulling together the national black contractors to have a voice of one, because as you, more, as you mentioned, you saw the decline of black contractors in the late 70s and the 80s, where historically it was our foreparents were the great builders who were great builders of civilization. Not only were there slaves that built the White House, as the president talks about, but there was right. actually the Morris architecture design that laid out the capitals, the domes, and the arches. So African-American contractors have had a long history 
uh, in building in America. But what has happened is because of the prevailing wages and the Davis-Bacon Act, many African Americans have been have been excluded from the construction industry by way of bonding. That was considered a way to 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 keep out the undesirables and to keep out keep the 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 uh, the African American contractors from from uh, having economic parity with their white counterparts. And so the eight, uh, Associated General Contractors... Okay, so explain, give a real quick shot on what bonding means. Bonding is primarily where a governmental agency uh, basically requires that a contractor who is going to do business with public funds are, is, is required to uh, put, to get, put out a bid bond, and that means collateralizing your home or having a uh, good uh, banking relationships and a bonding company that basically says, if you don't perform or finish this job, you're going to lose your assets, and we're going to pay someone else to come in and do that. So bonding is basically has various thresholds. In, in uh, San Diego, there's a $100,000 threshold for city contracts. Some uh, public agencies have a $15,000 cap. Anything over $15,000, you have to have a bond. So when you take uh, small mom-and-pop contractors who are uh, – basically cutting their teeth, and they put their assets and their resources on the line uh, and, and haven't been, you know, paying their bills or, or they're late on their bills, they have a hard time getting the bonding. And so that's what bonding is. That's the requirements of bonding and public contracting. Okay. Okay, well, what's the other part of it is that's commercial uh, construction. Uh, here in Chicago, and I can't say about other cities, but there is a lack of black contractors doing the residential work, such as the, even to the point of the handyman work in the um, in the lawns. What has happened there that we're not able to even to secure those uh, forms of work? Uh, I think I looked out my window at my house the other day and I seen these brothers sitting on the porch and these other uh people doing work on the house across the street. Well you know what's the what's the gap here? Well that's that's a very good that's a very good issue and that's how we got started. One of the things that we began to recognize and, and uh Congressman Fortroy was on time speaking on the Phil Donald Donahue show in nineteen eighty two, uh that black churches that black contractors normally cut their teeth on and was a measure of a, a prominent contractor when you built a big church. Uh, these churches basically were being mandated by lenders to use the A-list of contractors, which were white contractors that they belonged to their associations. And that basically started locking African-American contractors out. Well, uh, I remember as, that being a homeowner. I remember that now uh, applying for a loan myself. Okay, I'm sorry. Exactly, and then and then you know, uh, referencing uh, letters to my father from uh, President Barack Obama, he was speaking about uh, Mrs. Jones for uh, a lack of better names. I, I forget exactly what her name was. That uh, an African American woman who was afraid to use a black contractor because she was concerned about being ripped off. So a lot of it is self-inflicted. You know, we take uh, we we think the white man's ice is cold and it lasts longer. Today we have a, a notion that it's Latinos and uh, that that are working hard and we want to use them because they get in, they do the work, and and they do it cheap and faster. Uh, so we get painted with a broad brush, and uh, and if an African American does something in the community, 
then we've uh, come out with the notion that we don't want to do business with those Negroes anymore. Um, but if a white man does something, we, we damn the company and we say we won't, they don't want to do anything with bullet construction. So that has a lot to do with it. It's, uh, it's the community's attitude because there are prominent black contractors, and I've met them in Chicago, and I'll talk to you about a little bit about their successes and what they're doing on the Chicago University. I was there in December uh, when they celebrated uh, $27 million worth of contracts uh, with the Chicago University. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that uh, Mr. Brown was involved with, and several of the, and Mayor Daly was there, to commend these contractors. So as I went around the country, I've seen successes, successes where African-American contractors were doing major works. Now, is, is $28 million, $30 million enough to, to satisfy the, the concern when you're talking about billions of dollars of construction dollars? Uh, you know, if we were doing $100 million, you know, that might be a, a, a starting ground. So how much is enough and, and, and how much is too little? Mm-hmm. Well, has there been a, in Chicago, we have something like the Black United Fund, which we're going to be collaborating with on the uh, national summit. Uh, in the Black United Fund, it does have some association with other funds around the country. Uh, they have this uh, uh, annual event called Passing the Torch, and that is where a person that's in business, that they pass the torch on to their uh, family member, and if not a family member, they have mentored someone to take on their business. Is that uh, an uh, absence uh, an absence among uh, black contractors and being able to pass the torch in order to keep blacks in the construction industry. And I'm asking that because here in Chicago, again, there were, a, a matter of fact, I can even say for myself, when I was in high school, I had a wood shop, and wood shop doesn't exist anymore, and they had different trade uh, schools that doesn't exist. So the education, uh, the former education and the passing the torch, is that still, uh, is that, an issue, or is that going on? Is black contractors passing the torch, or uh, black uh, entering the construction field that contributes to the lack of black contractors in the neighborhood? Well, you know that that's a very good uh, question, and 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 really, uh, there's a lot to be discussed about uh, this, the next generation, and and how to, to pass the torch. Historically and traditionally, unions were um, you know, that was predominantly uh, uh, ran by African-Americans in the early 60s, uh, especially those blacks that came in from out of Texas that migrated to Chicago and, and strengthened the unions. And it was the Carpenters' unions that actually in 1881 that brought the apprenticeship system here to America that was uh, the influence of the Moors of, of, of Spain. Uh, that apprenticeship system uh, is, is, uh, is, is a system of training the next generation. So when you talk about passing the torch, there are two things that uh, exclude or prevent that from happening. One, in the early 80s or the uh, uh, mid-70s, uh, blacks that were in construction started uh, encouraging their kids and could afford to send their children to college. And because Junior saw Daddy working so hard and so dirty and not realizing how well they were living mm-hmm. and, and the fact that he could afford 
vacations and all the other things, decided that he didn't want to do construction anymore. So a lot of African-American kids have gotten out of the construction industry looking for uh, professional careers. Um, some of them were not into architects and engineering, you know, and some of them have gone into those fields. And so you have a void in the construction industry. And then as the trade unions begin to be predominantly Latino or in California, Texas, and, and, and Arizona and border states, and as um, uh, Italians and, 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 uh, and, and, and others back in uh, Philadelphia and other places have begun to set up the brother, the father, the son, cousin, and uncle, and you have an all-Irish union, you know, like with your police department uh, in yeah. New York. You know, mm-hmm. you have excluded the, the, the next generation, so you've cut off the, the opportunity to pass that torch. So what the associate, the National Association of Black Contractors have done to create our own uh, trade uh, apprenticeship program is we established the Intercity Unilateral Apprenticeship Committee, which is the first and only national, uh, federal, and state apprenticeship programs. And as I sat down with the minister a few uh, uh, back in March of uh, 08, I think it was 09. Uh, because Minister Farrakhan? Minister Farrakhan, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a three-hour meeting with uh, uh, myself and Brother Eddie Reed, who was trying to pull people into the trade unions, through the unions. But mm-hmm. we basically shared with him the fact that we have our only state-approved apprenticeship program, and the model is in California, where we have a 10,000-square-foot state-of-the-art facility. And that facility allows us to meet those federal and Davis-Bacon mandates because you can't get on a public contract as a tradesman, unless you are an indentured or registered apprentice, nobody's going to pay, to uns- pay an unskilled worker prevailing wages or journeyman wages. And the brother was very delighted about that, and I talked to him about the, the, uh, the possibility of coming into Chicago and establishing apprenticeship programs uh, for the people of Chicago and other big cities so that you don't mm-hmm. see folks across the street working on these HUD-funded housing because of Section 3 mandates, they require that you have uh, a registered apprentice, and, uh, and, and the only person that has uh, apprenticeship programs traditionally and historically has been trade unions. Well, the National Association has its own program that meets the federal guidelines of the Department of Labor as well as the state mandates of uh, California under Shelley Montoya. So that mm-hmm. gives us a door in. Mm-hmm. Well, with that... Um there is, uh, even as you mentioned, um, the Blacks built the White House. We had a guest on our program last, uh, maybe about a couple of weeks ago or so, and um, he, he was from Washington, D.C. And uh, I asked him the question regarding Blacks in con- contractual procurement in Washington, D.C. Um, he said zero upon continue to ask him. I could not believe that Washington, D.C. had a zero percentage of blacks doing uh, some of the, having the, some of the contracts in the city of Washington, D.C. So upon question, he did say, well, there's a 0.5. I don't know what the numbers are per se, but with the National Association of Black Contractors, how do you uh, identify the task of uh, uh, spreading your wings, so to speak, in other parts of the city? Well, you know, I went on a 12-month uh, tour 
after uh, working with the Obama administration to get our president elected, as well as m- many of our other chapters. And I, you know, when I came in, um, first city I went to was uh, uh, Chicago to meet with um, uh, a brother by the name of Omar Sharif, who had yes, up no, the yeah. ACA right. organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I uh, met with uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. McKinney, who was actually the national vice president of the National Black Contractors Association and on its board. Uh, mm-hmm. This was following a summit that we, we had here in California, because California is the battleground. This is where the dress is being unraveled uh, through, the, through the doing away with affirmative action because of the Proposition 209, and then it's been pushed in, in uh, Michigan. Uh, where they've outlawed affirmative action program, which was considered leveling the playing field. So as I took these tours across the country, uh, following that uh, that uh, the summit that we had here in California to address project stabilization agreements or PLAs, the pros and cons, and uh, and I'll, that's another topic, but uh, also talk about the, getting more black contractors involved with public contracting. Um, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. You know where you know we talk about the hundred thousand slaves that came from the South that started building in the uh, nation's capital. You know, mm-hmm. and they were a part of developing and building. Uh, they were the master tradesmen because this work, like picking cotton, was something that uh, whites were not very fond of doing. Mm-hmm. And until they started seeing the the, be- the better wages. And the uh, the the benefits, and then that's where we begin to be pushed out. But the issue is, is just like in San Diego uh, last year or so, there was uh, 123 million dollars spent in public contracting with the city of San Diego. Out of that, one African American was hired uh, to, uh, and won a bid for forty thousand oh dollars. Now that gosh. would that would it's shameful, and it would lead you to believe that you know this must be the most racist city in the United States, or there must not be any black contractors here. Uh-huh. Well, with that, we worked with our mayor, and the mayor came out and, and cried and apologized to you know to the shameful deed that has been done. And this is the result and the aftermath of a, of Proposition 209, the law that. What's the question? What's the uh, percentage population of blacks in San Diego? The the percentage of blacks in San Diego is five percent. So if best we would have five percent of the work then you would consider that a level playing field. That number represented 0.0.1% of contract opportunities. So there is a there's a small demographics of blacks, but that has nothing to do with the blacks in California. In California, uh, statewide, there's 12 districts with the Caltrans, Caltrans district, and out of those 12 districts, uh, six African Americans, one contract. That's like a half African American per district. So these numbers are reflective of what's happening in the in, in the south as well as in the north as well as uh, uh, back east. Uh, now the question is is that what are African Americans doing? So do we celebrate uh, our successes uh, and, and and recognize the primes that we're working with that's doing things like we did in Chicago and we did in Los Angeles and they were doing in Texas, uh, giving uh, awards to major contractors who have partnered with African American contractors who may not have the bonding, uh, and public agencies who have awarded these contracts. So that's one of the things that we did. So when we went and looked at all the other public agencies in San Diego, we we recognized 60 African Americans that did business in San Diego, California. Now we have African American developers like William Jones and uh, Reese Jarrett 
they do hundred million dollar developments, you know, in the city of San Diego. So there are some prominent African Americans that if we start uh doing a fact finding study, because if we continue to paint the dismal numbers of what we're not doing, then we, we kill any hope uh for the future of what we will be doing. So let's recognize what's what's working and let's recognize what's not working. So that's what we found as far as going on a national tour and seeing what was happening in Philadelphia. The blighted ghost towns of big big city Philadelphia, like in Chicago, you know, uh, and other cities, it shows that there is death, destruction, and it's just as clean as green lining. When I crossed Stony Island and, and, and coming out of Hyde Park, uh, I recognized that there was prosperity and the sun was shining on one side of the street, and on the other side of the track, there was drugs, gangs, and just blight. Right. Now, this is an intentional thing when you call what we called what they did in Allensworth, California. When you talked about Rosewood, remember Allensworth that was set up by a slave, uh, uh, former slave Colonel Allensworth that came out of uh, Kentucky in 1842 that set up uh, Allensworth, California. And the way they killed that city is they had water, and uh, they blocked, dammed up the uh to make a short, a long story short, they dammed up the uh, the stream to kill the water from coming to that town, and and dried that town out when they couldn't hire the blacks to come in and build their communities because they was prospering and they had uh, uh, issues going on. But a war broke out and the, and the city was gone, just like Rosewood and like uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. The uh, you hit. On earlier, the uh, as you go around the other uh, country, you, you hit the part of bonding as a mechanism, and I know that here in Chicago there's been continuous concern regarding uh, the unions. But with all of that in mind, then as you indicated about uh, sometimes is some uh, regenerification of communities that uh, take away the the growth of economic development, which would include contractors as well. Um, Is there an underlying racism, or is racism being replaced by um, procedures of doing business? Well, you know, the good old boys network, network, as they call it, you know, you got to understand Malcolm X said that you know, we live in a society that has economically, I mean, socially, politically, and economically castrated the black man. And so when you think about being castrated, you know, and a, a man comes in his home and he doesn't have money in his pocket and his son walks up to him and says, Daddy, can I have $5? And he doesn't, and he hasn't made a dime today and he's broke. He doesn't have the, the, the you know, it's, it's, it hurts him to tell his son, I can't give you this, so honey, I can't buy you that, or I can't pay the mortgage this month. That is a form of economic castration. So when you think about yeah, rules and procedures that are established in public contracting, these are things that have been supported and promoted by trade associations. Uh, the Associated General Contractors of America, which many of them are uh, good friends. I have a lot of good friends in the Associated General Contractors, but it was originally an Anglo General Contractors Association that was established to uh, support and promote uh, white businesses, and so when they got with the lawmakers, they passed bills and laws to say, you know, uh, through their partnerships and conglomerates, that we want to set up bonding to keep out 
the 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 unqualified contractors, unqualified, unfinancially uh, unstable and financially unqualified. So if they can't get a bond, then they can't get the work. Now, the prime contractor is the only one that's required to bond on a public contract. The subcontractors are not necessarily required to bond on a hard, low-bid situation. So many of these uh, prime contractors who are members of these associations bring along their small and emerging white contractors and waive the bond requirements. But they have the option to say, well, Ernest, uh, you have to have a bond. And you may have, you and your sons may be a better workforce than Joe and his boys, and you may have these uh, supplier accounts and everything that it takes, but they can select and elect to who they want to bond. And do we know this as a fact? Yes, we do. I mean, on the on the Petco Park project of the uh, in San Diego, California, we have a large black mason contractor uh, known as Victor Ross. Victor Ross does not bond. Big Ross will tell you in a minute, my word is my bond. And basically, he has been getting, he is the poster child for opportunities when large white prime, con, prime contractors who are being asked, why aren't you, uh, what is your participation like? The first thing they'll say, well, we work with Vic. But they'll ask everybody else to bond. So bonding is an election or a selection. Now, when it comes to public agencies, the field is level, everyone has to bond. So as far as prime contracting is concerned, bonding will, 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 can kill a, an opportunity if you're not prepared to bond. And the only way that you can get your bonding up is you have to have a steady flow of profitable jobs. You have to basically show your banker and the bonding company that you have a successful business. And if you don't get any work, then you won't have that bonding capability. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break uh, right now, and then we want to come back on the other side of the break and continue our conversation and uh, to look at, uh, I, I, again, on the other side, I want to get into who you are as an individual and how you got to be where you are. Uh, Sonia? I'm here, and you're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Mr. Ron Carter. I'm your co-host, Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to be right back. And I'll call the numbers, 347-326-9477. If you're in the chat room, you're on the line, you can call in. And uh, press number one if you'd like to speak to our guest or if you have a question for Mr. Carter. We want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. It's a people problem. That's you people. and me. It's so easy. But we could solve this confusion if we tried instead of shooting. Plus, there's no excuse when we have mouths that could use them for apologizing and acknowledging mm-hmm. fault instead of falsely accusing, making threats, shouting, and verbally abusing. You see, we could blame race because it's easy and it's legal, but the one common denominator, people, is people. It's a people problem. People. It's people. If you open your eyes, the problem is people. Listen closely, and I'm sure you'll be the three for three. 
feel the other person's heart And that heart becomes something that you want to take care of And this is what we're lacking The problem is not money or the lack thereof The problem is people doing evil things to get it and evil things with it Humility has totally left us The reason I'm here is to help you, help me, help us it's a people problem. If you open your eyes, the problem is people that people. It's a people
CETA Energy Assistance and Furnace Programs. Even if you are paying your electric and gas bill on time, you may still qualify for assistance from CETA. Home ownership counseling is available as well as rental assistance referrals. Partners in Community Building is located at 3424 South State Street in Chicago. For additional information and to schedule an appointment, contact PICB at 312-328-0873. Call 312-328-0873 for all of your housing needs. Ms. Bobby Ball is the Executive Director of Partners in Community Building, Inc. Tell her you heard about it on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. All Eyes on Chicago, August 20th to the 23rd, as Chicago welcomes the first annual Black Wall Street National Conference. Joining us in our efforts in sustaining and increasing black business. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com and listen to Black Wall Street USA, Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. This ad was sponsored by Chicago's blackbusinessnetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. We're back, and you're tuned in to Black Wall Street USA with Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago as our host. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. You are listening to uh, one of my favorite performers out of Las Vegas. It's a people problem, and that's Inspire, and I'm hoping that we get Inspire uh, to Chicago very soon. Our caller number is 347 326 347-326-9477. 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one. If you'd like to speak to our guests, press the number one. If you have a comment for Mr. Carter. We want to thank our guests from the last show, Candidate for Congress, Mr. Isaac Hayes from the 2nd District in Illinois. We appreciate his time. He's running in that district against Jesse Jackson, Jr., and he did indicate that he would attend Summit 12 on Saturday, May 22nd. Join us for Black Wall Street Chicago's Economic Summit 12, scheduled for Saturday, May 22nd, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Homer Square, located at 3333 West Arlington on Chicago's west side. Before we go back to our guests, I'd just like to make one comment uh, on one point Mr. Hameen made. Uh, Mr. Hameen is the president of the National Black Contractors Association, and he was talking about uh, being closed out of construction contracts and out of the construction industry. And as he was saying that, I was thinking uh, what he was saying is applicable in many industries. He was speaking about the construction uh, contractors with certain lenders have selected contractors for rehab in order to get loans. And I myself have worked for several different banks as a loan officer, mortgage, uh, consultant, banker, whichever you choose to call it. And I worked for a particular bank, and it, it wasn't the, only this bank. I worked for a particular bank, and they brought forth a restricted appraisers list that we had to use those appraisers in order to submit a loan. Now, in looking at that list, the African American loan officer, African American 
appraiser was missing from that list. And as an African-American loan officer, I utilized African-American appraisers, maybe not exclusively, but whenever possible. So if we had permitted this pre-selected list to stand, we would have, have, we would have joined them in shedding out uh, the black appraisers in Chicago from this really huge lending institution. So I'm saying that to say our issues are layered. Those issues, talking about one industry, the construction industry, you can go from industry to industry, go from oil company, go from the food industry, go from any industry. There are restricted, restrictive lists in these industries. So therefore, we're not shut out of that industry. We're shut out of industry from industry to industry as suppliers, not qualified to be suppliers, not producing anything that be, can be sold to a company and protested that this locking us out because we're not qualified to do it because we're not manufacturing anything. So this is across the board. I just wanted to make that one point. We're, we are with our guest tonight, president of the National Black Contractors Association, and the topic is Picture the Future Urban America. Can you find the black contractor in that picture? We're going to go back to Mr. Ron Carter and his guest now. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Sonia. Uh, Mr. I mean, you, uh, how did you get to be where you are with the uh, National Black Contractors Association. Well, Brother Ron and uh, Sister Tony, again, thank you uh, for inviting uh, me to share uh, the the mission of the Black Contractors Association and just give you a little background. Um, I came up out of the I was born during the Jim Crow era. You know, um, uh, I guess up until I was ten years old, Jim Crow was a a law that was in effect. Um, but my shaping and thinking was out of the Black Power movement. You know the '60s. We we we. You know the civil rights movement was a definitely uh, an influence on my parents and and that generation. Uh, my day was more black power and and black awareness. And so through my early upbringing, I've always had a passion for our people and 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 black businesses. And I was inspired as a 16 year old uh, coming into Chicago. Um, I used to come uh, there to go to the, uh, uh, the the national conferences with the Nation of Islam, and that was the first time I ever witnessed and saw black businesses being operated, uh, Stony Island, uh, Lakeshore Drive, and things of that nature, where there was uh, Cottage Grove, there was all these black businesses that was prospering. So as a young builder, when I got into the construction trade, uh, having a knowledge of, of, of who I am and a history of self, um, I saw there was a void, you know, in the construction industry and, and the, the industry that was predominantly at the time that I was getting in the industry was, was uh, trade-wise, was predominantly by African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were the, the, the majority trade workers, not necessarily as contractors, but there were contractors that were doing some things. And what inspired me or got me uh, stirred up is in the during the Reaganomics era in 19 um, uh, in in um, uh, 1982 when um, Reaganomics the economy was bad and they were talking about the trickle down theory the black churches were the only places that we can get work and room additions and patios and you know remodeling in our own communities we were being cut out of that work and so it was that that inspired in me to say, well, look, we need to establish 
an association of black contractors to to get out and protest these uh, these churches uh, for giving away the work in the community, which actually got us the work. And the only way we got jobs is we got out and fought for it. So this was happening across the country. So the what what so the the establishing of the National Association of Black Contractors that I spoke of earlier was a effort to identify what associations were out there and disenfranchised from each other and call them together to speak uh, to establish a national organization to speak as a voice for as one. And that national voice would allow us to speak truth to power and to be on the same page. So as each uh, chapter came in to California, along with Reverend Sharpton as our keynote speaker and Jim Brown uh, from California, who lives in California, was a part of our golf tournament, uh, celebrity golf tournament, along with some other Hollywood uh, folks that, have, that came to the table, Cuba Gooding Jr. in the past and Shaka Khan and others that come out to our galas, basically uh, began to say, well, this is a solution. So when Reverend Sharpton visited the, cha- the, the headquarters, he said, we need something like this in every city. Uh, along with Jesse Jackson had been here and, and uh, the late Betty Shabazz and uh, past Secretary uh, of Commerce, uh, pardon me, of uh, uh, Secretary of uh, Labor, Alexis Herman, had all been to California and looked at this model. So the, the members basically said, well, you know what? This is the best model. We need to establish this same model across the country. And it provides a incubation small business center state-approved apprenticeship program and a, and a youth bill summit uh, uh, program that teaches young people building trades, using some public funds to subsidize the organization. But what we are, we are today is we have established the incubation center or the small business office center to self-fund the agency. So that's, that's what kind of got me started and passionate about our people, wanting to and then not afraid to get out and talk to, to the public policy makers, uh, it, giving them a conscience at City Hall and at the state level and with the uh, federal, uh, our congressional, congressional leaders. This is what basically has given me the opportunity to, to, uh, to, 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 to serve. And that's how I got started with the National Association of Black Contractors. So as I petitioned in my conclusion, uh, the other chapters across the country, they said, yes, write us in. We're part of it. You know, we're part of the National Black Contractors. We definitely think we know we need a national voice because it can't be a little old uh, association from out of Wichita, Kansas, going up to Washington, D.C., saying I've got issues. And then you got somebody down there in Bogalusia, Louisiana, or somebody in uh, uh, back uh, in Gary, Indiana, and you got all these disenfranchised groups saying the same thing, but you're coming as, as a fragmented organization. Here we have a voice that says we have a national organization and we have a national agenda and a national mission. And when you look at, uh, on the website, the different chapters, they pretty much are sackling and saying the same thing and have the same issues. But what we're able to do differently is share our solutions. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, concept of, now, as uh, Black Wall Street we developed uh, black contractors in the neighborhood, and the focus was basically that name, black contractors in the neighborhood, where initially we were to focus on uh, non-commercial projects. But as the contractors get involved, the focus became commercial as well. 
Um, and how do we balance that um, with the uh, yeah? How does that? How, how can that be balanced? Mainly, we we try to see some type of balance in it because of the lack of black contractors in the neighborhood, opposed to other people that are actually doing most of the rehab work in the community. If it's not for Miss Jones down the street, but this uh, developer building uh, some townhouses. So where is the balance? How do we, uh, is is not just fighting on this or that, but fighting on all, and I'm kind of adding an amendment to my statement question, is that we came up with a, um, a concept that we have not worked out is, is similar to a black better business bureau in order to uh, entice the residential property owners in using black contractors. So what is the balance between commercial and residential as it comes to black contractors? And do we need something like a better black better business bureau in order to entice the uh, the property owners to use black contractors? You know, that's a very good question. Let me talk about uh, your private sector opportunities that are basically at the discretion of a homeowner or a private developer. Um, in, in most times uh, and oft times, most contractors who emerge out of the trade apprenticeships and decide that they want to go into business for themselves, what they're marketing is their quality of craftsmanship. And either a homeowner or a, a um, developer has witnessed uh, the person's uh, uh, master trades and would like to hire that person to do the same thing. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is qualified as a business person. I mean, he has been used to getting a paycheck, managing his check, building, paying his bills, and he's got his credit in place. So if he is not, if he once he gets his contractor's license, which means that he had to pass the the, the exam for law and practical trades, once he gets his contractor's license, basically what this does is allow him to get into the world of business. And in the world of business, what he has to do is be able to one understand that he can only do if it's just him and his son, mom and pop, he can only do one job at a time. And so in terms of private sector, the private industry has the discretion and the option to use a local African-American contractor. Now, when you see, and, and, once, and then reputation sells itself on the other side. Now, mm-hmm. dealing with uh, 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 public housing development, you have to find out, first of all, if it's a state stimulus money, uh, uh, some of the uh, other dollars that are federal dollars that are coming in that have requirements for equal opportunity and employment and contracting. And that's where you would start. Now, through an association, as you, you spoke about a better business bureau, Mrs. Jones would feel comfortable and confident that if she called the association, uh, con- black contractors in the neighborhood or the Black Contractors United of Chicago, and said, I need a good contractor. That association is supposed to stand behind that contractor to make sure that she's getting a good contractor or else he gets put out of the organization or and, and be uh, blackballed, if you will, mm-hmm. until he grows up and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, But what we want to do is that we don't want 
our people and the community to say, well, you know, that's why I'm not fooling with no more black contractors because they don't know how to take care of business. You know, the point is, is the private sector, you know, has the discretion to do that. Now, the public sector, you know, in terms of public contracting and what have you, the public sector has, uh, uh, when it's uh, private versus commercial, uh, there's private commercial uh, development, someone building a nightclub, restaurant, or a, uh, a, a, a Wendy's coming in your neighborhood, or a McDonald's being uh, remodeled. Those are commercial projects, and basically the relationship for the association or that contractor is to market himself to those corporate public age, uh, commercial projects. Now, public works is basically when you deal with road streets, uh, you know, uh, uh, school projects or college projects or anything that deals with public funding, such as the city of Chicago, and the, and you go through all of the minutia of bonding and getting the things required there. So, in terms of what's happening in your neighborhood, one, the black contractors in the neighborhood has to stand up and call the community's attention to we're being locked out and being excluded. If that means uh, uh, protesting or sending a protest letter or picketing, whatever it takes to, to basically take back the work in your neighborhood. I think that African Americans, like anyone else, have to uh, put a demand on the community to support itself. We can no longer continue to, to, to try to go find work out of the neighborhood when we got work in the neighborhood that we could be doing right in the community. If we just go after the work that's there, we would be able to self-sustain ourselves grow next gener the next generation of contractors and feed our families. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then as we move to our um, Florence Cox has been to uh, the Black Wall Street Summit, and one um, directive that she uh, put that we still have to do some follow-up with, well, matter of fact, we did do some follow-up with, uh, but she said that our problem is trying to engage elected officials uh, in the process of uh, securing contracts. Uh, here in Chicago, we have um, 19 uh, black aldermen, but still, but still yet we do not have that true representation where uh, our elected officials are not as aggressive uh, how much uh, do you feel as though we need to focus in on our elected officials when it comes to uh, the back contractors, or are we dealing still with the administrative uh, function of, of government? Well, you know, you have to hold the uh, elected officials' feet to the fire. I mean, everybody runs on the campaign of uh, building business opportunities for small businesses and jobs in your community. That is a buzzword for a vote and so when you when they make these kind of overtures and you can go back and pull up their words and quote them you have to call them call their feet to the fire and say well you know you talked about business opportunities but we haven't seen anything what we have done is measured as polled the major contractors the clarks the turners the nelsons the um um you know the bush constructions to ask them, how much business have you done with African Americans this year? And in, in, in polling them, we're able to find out last year in San Diego, uh, as we did our surveys, you know, Turner, which is a national builder and has a great reputation right. of, of training and doing things with, with contractors of color, 
couldn't give me one name of an African-American they did business with. And we didn't reprimand them. We basically just uh, showed that, okay, Turner, you didn't do anything, but here's Johnson over here. He did. He had seven African-Americans. So mm-hmm. when you talk about elected officials, and so and then so it put Turner's uh, feet on the fire to say that, well, you know, we got to do something better next year. So when you when you talk about elected officials, you know, uh, not uh, the power is in legislation, and they will tell you the law prohibits us from doing this, and the law allows us to do this. Now, the federal government, as well as uh, state governments in California and in, in Michigan, have gotten away from uh, uh, affirmative action as the remedy for leveling the playing field. They're talking about colorblind society. They're talking about race neutrality, uh, you know, getting away from even assessing and calling people's feet to the fire. So what what I'm saying with all of that is that, uh, you know, the, the whole process of affirmative action, is it working, is it not working, has been watered down. What still is a tool for organized uh, contractors of color, uh, contractors in the neighborhood, Black Contractors United, the ACA, African American Contractors Association in your community, is to continuously make the issue and make the case that we are not we are tax we're paying taxes and there's no taxation there's there's represent there's no representation where there's taxation. This is something that makes the five o'clock news. This is something that that gets the community to sh- to shake their head and and say what a shame for a minute. And as uh, Sonia spoke, this is across the board with a lot of agencies. We have to continue to have the grassroots campaigns to 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 demand these opportunities because you're telling people in the community pull your pants up, you know, get a job, but yet and still I can't even get a job in my neighborhood. So if the community doesn't fight and demand where you are paying taxes and paying rent to these slumlords, and Mrs. Jones, who should be working with with Bobby Lee's son, who's qualified, you know, we have to continue to market. And that uh, that, uh, 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 Better Business Bureau that you talked about, I think that's, where we have to basically say that you're going to be signed off or get a stamp of approval through us that you're going to do right and that you have a good reputation. Right. Okay, as we're getting ready to uh, end this uh, this show of uh, the Chicago Black Business Network and Black Wall Street USA, as what would you hope that we can be able to accomplish at the uh, – National Black Wall Street. Uh, we did have our chairman online just a little bit. Something happened that he's not here now. Uh, but what do you hope that we can accomplish, not just as it relates to uh, the the concerns of black contractors, but as it relates to the the direction of Black Wall Street of sustaining and increasing black businesses? Uh, so what would you think that that end result need or would be ideally to to be? Well, you know, we have to get our people back into recycling black dollars. you got to understand that what made black Wall Street successful, what made Rosewood successful, what made um, uh, uh, Allensworth successful historically was segregation. The fact that, you know, they didn't mind you going and working and cleaning in their neighborhoods, but you go back home to your community and spend your money there. We don't want you shopping here. And so economically, we were forced to keep those dollars in the community. Now, with the uh, desegregation movement, uh, which really didn't desegregate us as a people, we're still in ghettos and 
and, and segregated and impoverished communities, um, that allowed us to cross the tracks and go spend our money outside of the neighborhood, which left a void and started killing off those mom-and-pop businesses in our community. And, and this is an old adjective. It's how to get black folks to start spending money with, with black folks. Well, I think that one of the things you do is you set up black business centers. You know, we are at the Black Con- National Headquarters of the Black Contractors Association. We have not only offices that we're renting out to other small businesses. We have commerce. We're doing street uh, business bazaars on Saturdays to bring the community out to do business with each other so we can have networking and fellowship. So we have to get back to creating a common unity, just like other ethnic groups do. Asians support Asians and Latinos support Latinos. Italians support Latinos. Blacks are the only ones that want to integrate our dollars and then go back and live in our segregated uh, shanty towns and small communities uh, and then talk about the poverty level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, as we uh, move on, we're going to definitely have that focus uh, in which we are having that focus. We have some projects here in Chicago with um, Webb Evans, who is the president of the United American Progress Association, where they have a monitoring process of collecting receipts to to monitor exactly how we're actually spending and who we're spending it with. Um, And even though it doesn't reflect a a, a major significance, but it is a measuring tool uh, where they are turning their receipts on on a monthly basis. And matter of fact, what they... I think in the last six months, they have identified over a million dollars in gearing the black um, consumer to black businesses. Uh, so, are you planning on being at the next uh, national summit come uh, August? You know, I I had uh, I think you have one in October, isn't it? Your national summit is it Oh national no, it summit? would be uh, where well, we have one, and the national summit is going to be in August. And then we will be having a, another our regular Chicago summit uh, three months later. I believe that is about October. Uh, so we have our summits every three months. You know, I, I look forward. To, I have a couple of scheduled trips this year, and uh, as I shared with Sonia, I, I do. I mean, I'm I'm very encouraged to to participate with you, uh, your quarterly summits that you have, and and continue the dialogue with you. What I want to do is plug in my. Um, the national vice president, Mr. Ernest McKinney, to mm-hmm. that he's local there with you uh, to carry the, the issues of the national black contractors and local issues there to be a part mm-hmm. of your collaboration. Uh, but okay. when you have your national summit, you know I'd like to try to make plans and, and if you know, uh, time and, 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 and uh, opportunity presents itself, definitely like to be there along with uh, a, another venue I'd like to attend uh, is the Congressional Black Caucus, and then we're having right. a summit here in California um, that basically deals with, you know, stopping the spread of the cancer of uh, the exclusion of African Americans that have actually started here in California. Uh, what is that again? Stopping the cancer of exclusion, the cancer of, African- of, exclusion of African Americans in contracting. You know, so we. Oh, have okay, a, in contracting. Right, right. But, you know, so but I, I, I thought that the, the, the same thing was happening here uh, in, in San Diego. It's happening here in Chicago, where it is the stopping the cancer of exclusion of African Americans. Period. Period. You got you. Got you. Well, listen, so, my brother. It's uh, you know, it's been a pleasure. 
and uh, and I hope that uh, you know I didn't mean to inundate you with too much information, but oh no, I think that you're very. I did myself, even though as I have always uh, had an eye uh, on the status of black contractors, what I received from you still gives me a, a broader spectrum of the work that have to be done and fills points that I have missed out on and how we uh, pursue our course of getting black contractors the parity of work as it relates to the city of Chicago. Right. So I want to welcome you, and we're definitely going to collaborate. Uh, when you Are you going to be talking to Anita anytime soon? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, I've been talking to her. We've been emailing each other, and uh, okay. she's doing a great job. Uh, she picked up some tools uh, in setting up her Central Area Black Contractors Association, uh, Black, uh, uh, Black Chamber of Commerce, pardon me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the Wall Street tool is a great tool, and actually where our facility is set up is where we are declaring this uh, Wall Street in our uh, city here in San Diego. Very and good. It, and it's starting right here on the cornerstone building of the National Black Contractors Headquarters. Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's great. Matter of fact, I thought I heard some rumor that you all may be inviting us to our uh, second annual Black Wall Street in San Diego. Is that a rumor? Well, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a definitely a passion here, and I think, <laughs> I think the work is needed. But, yes, uh, I think Nita is working on that uh, with her group, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be something. Okay. Well, again, thanks again for being a part of the Chicago Black Business Network uh, blog uh, radio and also with the Black Wall Street USA. And we're definitely going I'm going to follow up with Ms. Cox, uh, let her know that we had you on the program and uh, see how we're going to continue this collaboration. You got it. You got okay. it. Thank you very much. And uh, Sister Sonia, you have a good day, too. And I want to thank you so much, and we will keep in contact with you. You got it. Thank you. Good night. Okay. I uh, We want to thank you for being here today and for sharing in this opportunity to serve African-American businesses, businesses across the nation by calling in and being part of the solution. You can visit our show page at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn and simply click on the show link, and you can listen to any and all of our shows right here online. Don't forget to pass our show information on to your friends. That is how we grow. That is how you grow. Black Wall Street USA is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can reach Mr. Ron Carter at Black Wall Street Chicago, 312-624-8351, 312-624-8351. Our guest this evening was Mr. Hamid, who is the president of the National Black Contractors Association. And I'm not sure if you can hear it in the background, uh, listeners, but the phones are jumping. It is uh, 8.30 here in Chicago, and we're uh, going up to Black Wall Street Chicago's Economic Summit 12 for Saturday, May 22nd, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Homer Square, located at 3333 West Arlington, and the phones are not stopping. I wonder why they're not listening to us, Ron. They're calling us. (laughs) 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 They're just calling and calling. They're supposed to be listening to their show, but they got questions. I know. Yeah, I know. This phone just been going off and off at this time of the night. Here it is going on almost uh, eight thirty, nine o'clock, and our phones yeah, are like, still ringing. Like, 
30 in the morning or something. They just, I, know. I, I asked Mr. Carter uh, one day, I said, is this a 24-hour operation? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in here? I've never seen right. this thing like this before. But uh, due to all the frustrations, Mr. Carter, you know I get that way sometimes. That's and then right. I come That's back right. again. And then I come back again, Mr. Carter. Here we go, here we go, here we go. That's right, that's right. Because it's a, uh, it's an understanding of that there's a need. There's yeah. a need. Sometimes you just, it get hard, Mr. Carter. You just can't walk away because there's just a need. And you know oh, yeah. not, right. we all know it here. Now, uh, you got any final remarks, Mr. Carter? Well, I'm looking forward to the intensity of this here Saturday. Uh, we, you know, the, we, we plan the agenda, but the agenda is, how can I describe the agenda? Uh, mm, I will put it in my terms. It's like a newspaper. It, it, like you print out a newspaper, and the news is different every time you print it. Every yep. time we have a summit, the summit is different, no matter how much we lay the agenda out, because people come and they get involved. And so it's exciting. Uh, I think that that's one thing about it. it. It is an exciting summit. People do enjoy the dialogue and the debate as we sustain and increase black business. So, yes, uh, do come out, do take a part and be active in what we're doing at these summits. So, yes, it's a, it's a good thing where we are right now, in spite of all the issues that we have to address from each part of this United States of America. Absolutely, Mr. Carter. We've been doing it 500 years. We can keep on stepping. We Listen can. to us at... Yes, we can. Every Thursday evening, tune in to Black Wall Street USA right here with Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue, your co-host for this segment. In closing, persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. And I'm going to repeat that for you. Persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. Thank you for joining us. Have a great evening. Ron, I want you to know that this is Sylvia Frederick.